Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. Thank you for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, whether doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the official KIB podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com, the Field Pass Hockey mobile app, will have you taken care of for all needs minor league hockey. They've got photographers, writers, so that way you can see columns, articles, feature stories, any coverage that you want in minor league hockey, whether it's the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL, they have you covered at fieldpasshockey.com. And the Field Pass Hockey mobile app is available for free download at the App Store or on Google Play. Knoxville had another three-game weekend, three games in three days. They got five out of six possible points and unfortunately saw the eight-game win streak come to a close. Uh, Knoxville so close to replicating what they did last year when they set a franchise record for 10 wins in a row, but still Knoxville on a 10-game point streak and a couple of days off with two home games upcoming against Fayetteville and Vermilion County on Friday and Saturday, respectively. So the Ice Bears take a step forward after dropping an overtime loss on Saturday. They bounce back with a win over Evansville on Sunday at home. And so Knoxville now... Three points back of Huntsville for first place in the SPHL standings with two games in hand. So you do the quick math, two wins means that Knox would overtake Huntsville. Now Huntsville plays Monday afternoon against Birmingham. So Huntsville will jump back up to having three games played more than Knoxville. And then both teams play twice this upcoming weekend. So it's it's going to take a while before that, that game's played total kind of evens itself out. Huntsville is the only team to have played 30 games yet this season. Pensacola's played 29. Everybody else has played 28 or fewer. But getting back to the weekend, Knoxville got a couple of dogfights from Macon on Friday and Saturday. They went up to Macon on Friday morning, played against the Mayhem Friday night, gave up a lead, fell behind in the third period. Uh, They gave up two power play goals, 21 seconds apart to fall behind in that Friday game to make in. They eventually tied it up. Dino Balsamo getting the third period goal there. And then Casey Kolcheski got the game winner from the right circle. And Knoxville kind of survived the upset bid. Then the following day, Balsamo was out of the lineup. He did not play. Uh, Knoxville opted to start Evan Moyce instead of Christian Stead from the previous night. Stead stopped 30 of 35 shots, but gave up five goals in that overtime win. And Moyce also had 30 saves, but... Knoxville blew a 2-0 lead. They gave up two goals in the final minute and 15 seconds of the second period, took the lead midway through the third, and then gave up the game-tying goal later in the period before giving up the overtime winner to Nigel Slade. And that came moments after Joey Strada nearly won the game for Knoxville, but his shot from the right circle hit the post and stayed out. So Knoxville inches away from sweeping the weekend and assuming that the Evansville game plays out the same way. We're talking about a 10 game win streak. Instead, we're talking about a 10 game point streak with Knoxville still being nine Oh and one 
in their last 10. It's the first overtime loss for Knoxville this season. They've had two other shootout losses, but it's the first time anybody has scored a goal in overtime against the Ice Bears. And Knoxville now stands at 22-3-3 with one overtime loss and two shootout losses through 28 games. So officially the halfway point of the season, and Knoxville has six total losses. Only three of them have come in regulation. And overall, I think you feel really good about what Knoxville has done. I mean, that obviously a lot of hockey left to be played, and you can't assume that Knoxville's going to mirror the second half with what it did in the first half of the season. And there are some things that may not play out the same way throughout the course of the season as they did in the first half of the year. Now, the making loss on Saturday, obviously frustrating. Knoxville had a two-goal lead. It, it was a lapse of less than 90 seconds that got Macon back into the game, including the game-tying goal with four seconds left in the second period, and then gave up the game-tying goal in the third period again before ultimately giving up the game-winner in overtime. But you look at it, okay, Knoxville's last four losses, and you have to kind of go back a ways, but Knoxville's last four losses. So the shootout loss to Huntsville in November, you had the shootout loss and then the regulation losses to Peoria in December, and then the overtime loss to Macon. All four of those games were games that Knoxville had a third period lead in. So you can look at those four games and say, man, Knoxville really should have four more wins than it does right now. That's frustrating to lose four games that you had a lead in. On the contrary, Knoxville has also won six games in which it has trailed in the third period. So in games that are that you would consider a comeback in this category of the team trailing in the third period ends up winning the game. Knoxville has had 10 of those games and it has won six of them. And so that's just the nature of hockey is back and forth games, teams being able to come back. So uh, looking at Friday can be very frustrating. Look at some of the past losses that Knoxville has had. And still Knoxville has come back from third period deficits more often than it has given up third period leads, which is encouraging. Now, you know, you look at a team like Macon and you think Macon's been a little down on their luck. They haven't had the best season. You have a two goal lead against them. You should pull away. Macon came out, played a lot better. I think Zach Desjardins is, is doing more to get the right talent in there. And two former ice bears, Cody Rogers and Zach Lambrecht have actually really evolved in their roles in that team. And, I think you still look back on it and you would say, well, trading those two to get Dino Balsamo has really worked out for both sides, but you would look back on it and you would do it again. When you look at what Balsamo's done, he missed some time because of a call up to the ECHL and then missed two games this past weekend. And you still love what he produces, able to come up with clutch, timely goals. He's had shootout winners. He's had an equalizer from this past weekend the guy gets points. And so I think you look at it for both sides and you still feel really good about the Lambrecht Rogers trade in order to get Balsamo to Knoxville. And then moving forward, you look at how the team is still coming together. Despite the fact that there's no Jimmy Perita, there's no Andrew Ballant this past weekend. You didn't have Alex Palmerville after he got called up to Tulsa in the ECHL. No Andrew McLean, Carter Colthorpe is still gone. Steven Leonard is still gone. A number of guys have been called up to the ECHL and just haven't come back. Jimmy Parita, after he got released by the Syracuse Crunch in the AHL, was then released by the Worcester Railers and was later picked up by the Tulsa Oilers. So it's just this 
constant cycle of where in the past, if a guy got released from his ECHL team, he was back in the SPHL the next day. Now other ECHL teams are picking up some of those guys. Uh, Dino Balsamo got traded from Atlanta to Kalamazoo and then never actually played a game for Kalamazoo. He ended up coming back to Knoxville. So it's it's been a really impressive job by Knoxville to be able to continue to find ways to win despite not having its full complement of players, especially not all of its leading scorers at times, not having guys playing fully healthy, you know, missing Balsamo this past weekend, and Knoxville still got three out of four points in those two games, five out of six on the weekend. And from a percentage standpoint, Knoxville is first place in the league because of the two games it has in hand over Huntsville. And there's no guarantee that Knoxville wins the two extra games and everything else plays out the same way. But Knoxville at least made mid-weekend adjustments, and Knoxville's penalty kill was atrocious on Friday against Macon. It was fortunate to pull out the win. It was not much better on Saturday in the overtime loss, and then it really cleaned things up against Evansville as far as special teams is concerned. Knoxville got a, a really big goal in the second period after giving up one early. It was kind of a play where Austin Plevy's receiving the puck as he's going through into the left circle. He gets knocked off the puck. It just sits there. Nobody closes in on it. Tanner Butler comes in and slaps it past Evan Moyes. But then J.B. Baker off a really nice pass from Joey Strada ties the game. And then you have Jared Nash and Casey Kolcheski scoring goals 51 seconds apart in the third period to help Knoxville pull away. But what was really impressive was Evansville had four power play opportunities. They had zero shots on goal on the first two. And then they had a four-minute double minor early in the third with the game still tied and a chance for Evansville to kind of draw back some momentum. And Knoxville really shut down Evansville's power play for those four minutes as well. So, yeah, a, a rough two days, but the special teams units got back on track very quickly. And Knoxville has five power play goals in its last four games. So it, it's a situation where Knoxville's continuing to kind of grow on its power play percentage um, as they jumped from six to fourth over the weekend in power play conversions. So now you have Knoxville wanting to move forward, getting ready for a tough game against Fayetteville on Friday. And then you've got Vermillion County who has given Knoxville a couple of close games so far this season already. And so it's kind of just that matter of teams playing well in certain matchups. I saw that somebody asked the question on Facebook, why does Knoxville struggle with Macon when nobody else does? And th and that's true of the five games that Knoxville's played against Macon this season, four of them, Knoxville has not necessarily pulled away from from start to finish. But Knoxville does have four wins and an overtime loss against Macon. So you can look at it as saying it's a struggle, still nine out of 10 points in five games. And you kind of look around the league, Huntsville at times has struggled with Pensacola. They lost the Ice Flyers at one point last week. Fayetteville has struggled with Roanoke, uh, Quad City has struggled with Vermilion County at times. Quad City lost to Vermilion County earlier this year. So every every team, every matchup is going to provide something of a chess match where maybe a team that's not as high in the standings is going to be able to take advantage of something that that higher-ranked team just doesn't do as well or how it suits in that matchup. So I wanted to kind of just go over that as we recap the weekend here. But Knoxville just three points back of Huntsville. Of course, Knoxville still has two home games left to play in the regular season against the Havoc. We'll see if those end up playing a difference when we get to the end of the season. Because oftentimes, the, the 
William B. Coffey Trophy given to the regular season champion usually doesn't come down to the last week. I'm curious to see if it stays close between Knoxville and Huntsville. Do Quad City or Peoria join the party? We'll see as the season goes along. We'll talk more when we come up next. Again, this podcast brought to you by Field Pass Hockey. Really appreciate their partnership with the Ice Bears this year. The Field Pass Hockey app available on the App Store or the Google Play. And it's a great way to keep up with everything happening with your favorite Ice Bears players. Even if they're on call up to the ECHL or the AHL, the Field Pass Hockey app has you covered for all things minor league hockey. I'm Joel Silverberg. We have more next coming up on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple app stores. So as we look around the rest of the league, I've kind of been talking about it for a while, but I think it's worth bringing up again after they swept Fayetteville in back-to-back games, but Roanoke has points in nine of their last 10. They're eight and one and one in their last 10 games. They've won three straight. They're still sitting in sixth place in the standings, largely because of some losses that they took at the beginning of the season. They had six overtime or shootout losses early on. They kept losing games late, um, including a a couple against Knoxville, but Roanoke has looked really, really good over the last two months or so, and now they're kind of climbing up and they're starting to catch up to Fayetteville. They're only a point behind the marksman, and they've got a game in hand, and they've won six of ten meetings against Fayetteville already this season. And then a second team to keep an eye out for, which I think you already know, is Peoria. Peoria's won eight of their last ten, including their last three. And and I said it when Knoxville met Peoria back in mid-December. Peoria, I think, was seventh or eighth in the SPHL standings, and I made sure to emphasize this is a good team. The reason they're so low in the standings is because they've played fewer games, significantly fewer games, than everybody else in the SPHL. Now they've played a few more games. They've only played 25 games, which is fewer than every team in the league except Vermillion County. But as far as teams that are holding playoff positions right now, Peoria has a game in hand, at least one, over everybody. And only Roanoke has played 26 games. So Peoria has at least two games in hand over the entire rest of the league. And they've got 36 points through 25 games so not a clear cut, hey, we, we've got a path if we just win out, but Peoria has been playing some excellent hockey, and Alec Hageman has just rocketed up the, the points leaderboard. He's got 39 points on the year. He's third in the league, and he leads the league in points in, in players that have played at least 10 games. He leads the league in points per game, averaging over a point and a half per contest right now. Um, Jacob Barber and Sai Nutkovich each have 42 points in 30 games for Huntsville. Alec Hageman has 39 games, uh, 39 points in five fewer games. So if he keeps on this pace, he, he's going to catch up to Barber and Nutkovich, and he's going to run away with the Kevin Swider scoring award because he has just leapfrogged over a lot of players. Because for a good portion of the first several weeks of the season, he was not in the top 10. And... Now he's starting to pour it on. I think he has two hat tricks this year. And I know he had another multi-goal game the other night when Peoria 
overcame an early deficit against Quad City and ended up scoring four third-period goals to win 7-4 to four over the Storm. So Peoria and Roanoke, two teams that are playing really, really good hockey right now, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Knoxville has not been to Roanoke yet. Knoxville has not hosted Peoria. They've only played those teams twice each, and they'll face Peoria two more times, and they'll get Roanoke a couple more times as the season goes along as well. Tyler Piacentini and Rob Dare of Huntsville are fourth and fifth in total points this season with 32 each. J.B. Baker for Knoxville, uh, who celebrated his 27th birthday by scoring a goal in Knoxville's win over Evansville, has 31 points. Knoxville's captain, Stefan Brucato, is right behind him with 30, tied with Marcus Russell from Pensacola, and then you have Mac Jansen and Jeff Jones from Roanoke, each have 29 points. That rounds out the top 10, and then shortly outside the top 10, Anthony McVeigh has 27 points. Dino Balsamo has 25 points, but only in 21 games. So uh, Balsamo averaging over a point per game uh, has had a really solid season when he's been with the team, obviously had the ECHL call up for a while, and, and he enjoyed his time. Obviously, he admitted everybody wants to get up there, but he said he was happy to be back. He likes the team. It's it's not a, It wasn't a bad thing to come back from the ECHL but he thought there were some things that he could take away, especially playing with speed. He did some of that against Macon on Friday, scored the game-tying goal, and unfortunately was unavailable for Knoxville's next two games on Saturday against Macon and on Sunday against Evansville. Uh, kind of looking around at, at where Knoxville stands with their split so far this season, Knoxville's 4-0 against Birmingham, 2-0 against Evansville, 3-1 against Fayetteville, 2-1-1 against Huntsville, which... Huntsville is also 2-1-1 against Knoxville, 4-0-1 against Macon, 2-0 against Pensacola, 0-1-1 against Peoria. They have not played Quad City yet. That's the only team Knoxville hasn't seen. 1-1 against Roanoke, or excuse me, 2-0 against Roanoke, and then 3-0 against Vermilion County. And, and it's interesting to, to kind of see the breakdown. Knoxville hasn't played anybody more than five times, and that just happened with Macon over the weekend. And there's been a couple of other teams that they've played four times. You've got some other matchups like Pensacola and Birmingham have already seen each other nine times this season. Fayetteville and Macon have seen each other nine times this season. Huntsville and Pensacola have played 10 times this season. So Pensacola has spent a lot of time playing the Alabama teams. And Knoxville does not face anybody more than eight times. They, they face Macon eight times this season. They get, or excuse me, they get Birmingham eight times this season. They get Macon seven times. They get Fayetteville seven times. So there's not a, there's not really that one team that Knoxville is just playing a bunch. It, it's a pretty well spread out schedule and Knoxville doesn't play anybody fewer than four times. So Knoxville has a minimum of two home games and two road games against every team in the league. And there are some matchups. I, I believe Macon and Vermilion County, I believe they only play each other twice the entire season. So there are some matchups that you just don't see throughout the course of the year. And, and so it's just kind of interesting to see how that's all kind of played out throughout the course of the year as as these different teams are taking on one another. So and kind of getting back as we look ahead to Knoxville's next couple of opponents with Evansville uh, being this past Sunday, but Fayetteville and Vermilion County coming up. Vermilion County's lost their last five. They were in Knoxville on January 8th. Knoxville won that game four to one. And so it's really about, I think, getting back to taking care of business. And I think Knoxville being at home, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be focused. And I, I think everybody kind of felt the sting of that Macon loss when you had an opportunity to put it away. 
So I think the guys are going to be able to refocus. They did a really nice job at bouncing back in an efficient way against Evansville. Played a really clean hockey game, really good on the penalty kill, got a power play goal. Never really gave Evansville much of a chance once they took the lead. And I thought it was also impressive how once Knoxville took that lead in the third period on Sunday, Evansville really started to scramble. They really started to press on offense, and they never came close to getting back in the game. Evan Moyes, his job was really made easy in the third period. He had some big stops in the first two frames, did not have to do a whole lot in the third period. Everybody was really in sync, I thought, on Sunday defensively, especially when we got to the third period. And then with that game against Fayetteville coming up, it's a team that's had a couple of really good games against Knoxville. They scored three goals in the first period back in early November. That was uh, one of the first regulation losses that Knoxville was given all year. And then another tight game the first time those two teams met that same weekend here in Knoxville when Knoxville was down in the third period, had to score twice late to kind of overcome the deficit and then win the game overall. So it's... It's a good Fayetteville team that has kind of been even keel for the most part. They've got points in seven of their last 10. They're six, three, and one have dropped to fifth place behind Peoria. Still a good team. And especially if they get some of their guys that are on loan back, then they're going to start winning games again at a higher frequency and a higher rate. So be on the lookout for Fayetteville and really any team that's dealing with call-ups right now, when you start getting those guys back, how much it can improve your team in a short amount of time. Knoxville benefited from that with the return of Dino Balsamo and then even Evan Moist coming back after a couple of brief call-ups. He's come back and he's won games after two separate call-ups up to Cleveland and Cincinnati. So Knoxville is going to, obviously, you you wish the best for those players that are on call-up, but you hope that you can get them back before the postseason gets here as well. But Knoxville keeps finding ways to win regardless of who's in the lineup. They're going to try to do the same this upcoming Friday and Saturday. Friday night is ink in the rink at 730 at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Specialty tattoo jerseys will be available for sale. They'll be on dash. They'll be on display. They are really, really sharp looking jerseys. So be sure to check those out. Be sure to visit the team store on how you can make your purchase and be on the lookout for the dash auction app for when you can bid on your favorite player's jersey for those as well. And then Saturday is Star Wars night. So be sure to come on out, dress as your favorite Star Wars character. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody loves Star Wars night every year. So a a lot of fun to be had this Friday and Saturday. Ink in the rink night on Friday. Saturday is Star Wars night. Both games start at 730. KnoxvilleIceBears.com is where you can get your tickets. I appreciate you checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. Again, FieldPassHockey.com, the Field Pass Hockey mobile app. That is your stop for all things minor league hockey in the SPHL, ECHL, or AHL. It's FieldPassHockey.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be on the call with you on MixLR.com slash Bears and Hockey TV this Friday night for Ice Bears and Marksmen at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. We'll see you then. Until next time on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.